Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran, author of three books, Owning It, The Confidence Kit, and my latest book, Naked, 10 Truths to Change Your Life. This week on the series, I'm joined by another author, but she's maybe just a little bit more impressive than me because she is a cognitive neuroscientist. I am none of that, but she's brilliant. Her name is Dr. Caroline Leaf. You might have heard of her before. And we have an amazing chat about her new book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, which is a must read. And it's all about neurocycling and how effective that can be for dealing with trauma, stress, and obviously, as is relevant here to this podcast, how neurocycling can help with anxiety. Dr. Caroline has a lot to say. She gets very scientific, but I hope that you can follow it easily and take something from it. She talks a lot of sense and her Instagram is well worth a follow, especially for little daily reminders of reassurance and just things that make you feel a little bit more like you can cope. Um, I found it an incredible source for me, so I know you will too. Her book is out now. As I said, it's well worth a read and I hope that this is well worth a listen. So do enjoy. Dr. Caroline Leaf, thank you so, so much for joining me on Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast. I'm honoured to have someone of your incredible accomplishments on the podcast. So thank you for joining me this evening or this morning where you are. Oh, thank you, Caroline. It's lovely to be with you. Two, two Carolines. <laughs> two Carolines. Yes, we will make some magic now with our synergy and our names. So, Caroline, you have spent the last 30 years studying the mind-brain connection, which is just astonishing to me. I'm only a couple of years into trying to wrap my head around it. But I'd love to ask you, how would you differentiate the two, like the mind and the brain? Because people think of them as one, I think. Yes, you're quite right. And Caroline, I've been in this field, it's, it's actually closer to 30 
nearly eight years and I've been researching the whole mind-mind-brain connection. I started off initially with people with traumatic brain injuries and learning disabilities and Alzheimer's, dementias, war trauma, emotional traumas, you name it. I started off very much in a clinical world and then realized, hey, the systems that I'm developing are very applicable for me as a human. And I was challenging the current sort of norm at that stage because back in the 80s, we didn't believe the brain could change. And I'm getting to the answer to your question. And so we were told, we were literally trained as, as clinicians that, well, the brain can't change. So therefore, you teach your patients to compensate. And I remember in one of my neuroscience lectures challenging that and them saying, that's a ridiculous question. I said, well, the mind's not the brain. The mind's separate from the brain. And if you train your mind, you can change your brain and your brain can change because we're always changing. And they said, that's a ridiculous question. And in fact, I did a TED talk on exactly that, the ridiculous question of neuroplasticity. And I did some of the first neuroplasticity research in my field. And neuroplasticity is the fact that with our mind, we can change the brain. And that brings us full circle to your question on what the mind is and what the brain is. And you're quite right, in this day and age, for the past 40 years, we have um, the language has collapsed in that people see the mind and the brain as the same thing, but they're not the same. The brain is the physical component. It's part of the body, as we know, and it's the physical and it's extremely complicated. And it should be because it has to house the mind and generate and, and, be, and respond to the mind. So what is the mind? On a psychological level, the mind is how you think and feel and choose. It's as simple as that, but also as complex as that. So you, you, you're always thinking, and when you think, you will feel. You cannot think without feeling. Thinking and feeling always go together. And when you think and feel, you will always make choices. And we're doing this think, feel, choose, think, feel, choose, think, feel, choose all the time. We never stop. That is our mind. Our mind is an action. You wake up with your mind. You put on your clothes with your mind. You eat your food with your mind. You converse with your mind. You listen to this podcast with your mind. You go to sleep with your mind. So you are always thinking, always feeling, and always choosing. So mind is the source of pretty much everything. And so on a more sort of phys physical science level, the mind would then be the gravitational fields that surround and that run through the brain and the body. And before this, people could think, wow, what is that? If you think of the work that Einstein, we've all heard of Einstein, what Einstein did in the early 20th century, he did a lot of work on photons and the photoelectric effect. And he actually showed that we as humans are generating these photons all the time from the fields around our body. So essentially the mind is think, feel, choose, and it's an energy force. It's a gravitational field around the brain that moves through the brain and the body. And pretty much mind is you, you and me. You, you have your mind, I have mine. You have your unique way of thinking, feeling, and choosing. And I have my, my unique way of thinking, feeling, and choosing. And life is a series of experiment, experimental moments every moment that we're awake where we are um, experiencing everything. Open your eyes. There's the email, the text, the conversation, the kids, as you said, you were at home with your little baby today. So every moment with your child, the podcast, the news, the everything everything is an experience and and that experience is experienced through the mind and the mind then uses the brain and the body to store that experience and to express that experience so there's this beautiful um, intimate relationship 
but they so separate but inseparable between the mind and the brain. And my quest has been to understand exactly what the mind is. What are I mean we talk about mind, we talk about thinking, feeling, choosing, we talk about thoughts, we talk about emotions, we talk about uh, memories and you know what is it all? I've been on a quest to understand that and develop theories and then I've done years of research and clinical application and my most recent clinical trials I have put into one set of them I put into this newest book cleaning up your mental mess in a very simple way just to show people this is what mind is and when you manage your mind when you get into mind management you can direct the changes in your brain and the the, the ability of the brain to ch um, to be changed by the mind or by what we eat and drink and put on our body and into our body is called neuroplasticity. So with our mind, if we manage our mind, if we understand mind and we know how to manage that thinking, feeling, choosing thing, we can actually direct the neuroplasticity of the brain and we can change the DNA functioning of every cell of our body, which I showed in my most recent research, which is part of a whole body of research showing mind-brain interaction. And in terms of your podcast, this is really fascinating, is that I showed that if you manage your mind, if you manage this thinking, feeling and choosing, and if we normalize, um, which I believe is really a strong part of your you know your approach as well is if we normalize anxiety not as an illness but as a response as a warning signal that's never on its own it always goes comorbid with you know depression and all these other things as well if we do that then we're basically starting to manage our mind and we're bringing more health into our brain and our body so that's a sort of big picture overview we can unpack i said quite a bit so we can unpack that as much as you'd like to oh my god there's so much in there um okay well before we go any further you're talking about the mind being able to influence the brain and change the brain over time does it become like a feedback loop where is if the mind influences the brain does the brain then influence the mind Yes, if you look at it this way, the primary source is mind. So mind is the influencer and brain is the And that's responder. where we have control. Exactly, because we can think, feel and choose. Every moment of every day we're choosing. In fact, every 10 seconds we are consciously thinking, feeling and choosing. But on a non-conscious level, it's happening at about 400 billion actions per second. So we can't control the events and circumstances of life, aka COVID and all the things that are going on around us. But we can control our response. So like we, we're not responsible for someone inflicting trauma on us, but we are responsible for how we're going to manage that in our life and how we're going to change how it plays out into the future. So it's not excusing the trauma that never can be excused. That has to be honored and, and, and um, validated and all the pain goes with it needs to be processed. But it, we don't want to just lump it under a, a medical label and reduce it down to you know your brain, that neurobiological brain disease, which is not. We want to rather have a broader expense so the brain is a responder the mind is the generator but if the brain is damaged so if you have a traumatic brain injury or if you have a tumor or if you have um if you're eating what the modern american diet you're going to damage your brain and body and yes then you have a there is a feedback loop between the two so a damaged brain would then feed back into the mind because if you think of it like this if you're using your computer and you've dropped it on the floor or something or spilled water on it it doesn't work so well and it's that principle operating we need to look after the physical health of our brain and our body as much as we need to look after our mind because they all need, you know, everything's working together. But the beauty of this whole thing is mind is still more powerful than the phys physiology. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. So therefore, we I have had numerous patients in the past and 
thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, close to millions of people now that, or it's actually millions that have heard that have heard my message. Um, but feedback from people, thousands of hundreds of thousands of people feeding back um, examples of how they've actually been in a really bad state with tumors in their brain or with major traumatic brain injuries and actually overcoming that with their mind. So even though they're sitting with the damage, still managing to manage their minds. So the mind is always the superior force. I, I worked with traumatic brain injury. So some of my patients were were immobilized for for months from a car accident, but by using their mind systematically, they got back and went beyond their original cognitive functioning level. That's incredible. Yeah, I had patients that were literally written off as vegetables by their doctors, which is terrible. They don't use that term anymore, thank goodness, but they did. And ended up going back to school, finishing school with a peer group after having lost a whole year from a car accident and going on to get um, a degree. And that was one of thousands of stories. So the resilience of the human mind is phenomenal. And we don't talk enough about mind. We talk a lot about body and there's so much information out there about that. And we all understand diet and exercise. And even if we don't do it, we understand it. When it comes to mind, it's one of those elusive, oh, it's the brain and take a few tablets and things or do, you know, do the meditation. And, and I'm not knocking any of those things. I'm just saying that they're not the only, they are such a small part of the answer. You have to go beyond those and to really manage things like anxiety. And I showed with my research, which you probably saw in the, in the book, is that when you manage your mind, when you understand mind and you understand what it is and its components, and, and I'm sure we'll unpack this, you can actually learn to manage anxiety and depression and toxic thinking by 81%. So you can actually like measure it? You can measure it. So so we saw changes in how our um, subjects in our control group and experimental group were functioning. 35, 38 years ago, in that whole sort of season, the first lot of research I did, I showed that you can improve your cognitive, social, and emotional functioning by 35 to 75%. In my most recent trials, I showed that you can manage anxiety and depression by a factor of 81%. If you improve 10%, your life will be different. Can you imagine 81%? And this is not drugs. And I didn't even look at exercise and diet. And I'm I'm totally pro those. I've written I've written books about those. You know, you have to eat properly and and look after your brain and body and move and essential. But this for you is the most is the most crucial way of approaching anxiety and depression is the mind. Oh, absolutely, because there's thousands of studies showing how depression and anxiety can be managed through exercise, and I'm totally in agreement with them because all kinds of chemicals are released into the brain. But there's also research showing that I can do the exercise, but if I'm not managing my anxiety because I haven't actually dealt with the cause, I'm not going to get that same benefit from that exercise. You could lose up to 80% of the benefit. You may be eating the most perfect farm-to-table, wild, organic, sustainable diet, and doing fasted workouts and the whole everything, and the whole lifestyle. But if your mind is in a state of constant um, suppression of trauma and mismanagement and messiness, you lose up to 80% of the benefit. Wow. Well, that's a big focus of, of this podcast is, of, of course, you know, there you could just have a really stressful job and go and do your yoga class at the end of the day. But if you don't understand the anxiety and where it's coming from and how it manifests and why anxiety happens, if you don't understand the mind, you're not going to get very far. A big driver of mine is to, to not just help bring down anxiety, but help people to understand why it's happening in the first place. So it sounds, 
like we're aligned on this. <laughs> oh, totally. When I saw what you do, I thought, well, this is great. Not only do we have the same name, but you've got to, you've got the same understanding. I have a slightly less experience um, and education than you do. I suppose where I'm coming from is that I have experienced the full brunt yeah. of anxiety to the point that it really, it stopped me from living my life. And I've kind of slowly but surely put myself back together again and talking to experts such as yourself always validates, I suppose, the things that I have found helpful, which is to strip back and really understand what am I actually what kind of hardware am I dealing with here and how how do thoughts influence feelings which influence behaviors and you know back and forth so that for me has been crucial but before we talk about your book which is sounds just incredible and I want to congratulate you on that I'm always really brutally honest with my listeners and I want to talk about so we were meant to record yesterday and I made a complete boo-boo and I put down that we were going to record on the day that your book launches but actually it was we were meant to record yesterday and then your lovely assistant was like hey we're ready to chat and I was like oh my god I totally got it wrong I had my baby I had no one to mind him and my anxiety like it was obviously just very much like in the instant I was like fuck what have I done obviously you were very understanding and very kind and not everyone would be but I would love to just tease apart the feeling that I had in that moment and how you would approach it or how you would maybe react to that given your understanding now and maybe applying your tools to it now Oh, I love that example. And first of all, no problem at all that you that that happened. That is life. And you know, this is to where what I'm so glad you brought that up because this is the messiness of life. Things happen. And to get worked up about something like that is really not worth it. I was like, what is she gonna think about me? I seem so unprofessional. I just I'm like, how am I gonna prove to this woman that I'm not, you know, a complete flake? Oh. And your mind just runs away with you. No, it does. And and I get that and and and, and I probably would have felt the same in your shoes as well. But you know, this is with my years of experience in this this concept that I've developed called the neurocycle, which is how you manage your mind, how you manage that thinking, feeling, choosing in the exact experience you had is so is so powerful. It's a very just day-to-day -day anxiety that I think a lot of my listeners will have felt at one time or another. You know, it doesn't oh, it doesn't have to be the big trauma. Exactly. If you this is the big exactly, I cannot I cannot agree with you more. Not only do I focus on the big stuff, but I focus heavily on the day-to-day -day stuff because that's the stuff that actually cumul accumulates into the big stuff anyway. If we don't manage them and it's through the day-to-day -day stuff that we can actually recognize our patterns which are the big stuff so if you don't pay attention to the day-to-day -day, you won't pick up the patterns that are the very often the origins of the day-to-day -day way we handle stuff you know so you can work on two dimensions at once so just in terms of yesterday it was one thing I have learned over the years is and it makes me sound so old and I'm 57 and that is so I don't feel old at all but that is you're not a lot of experience <laughs> And um, there was one scientist that I followed and he was in his 90, I think he was 96 or something and still going. And I remember someone interviewing him and saying to him, how do you manage to, you know, to still do it? He was still running and still working, still doing research. And his answer was that he doesn't sweat the small stuff. And he said, but he used to. And he said it took him a few years to, to learn how to not sweat the small stuff. So that's one of the things is just a little, it was just a little anecdote that I have learned to not sweat the small stuff. So if someone doesn't make an interview to you, I give all the grace because there will be a day I will do exactly the same thing and hopefully I'll get the same kind 
Department of Grace. So I just wanted to say that there, and I believe that's how we should operate as humans. We should give each other a lot more kindness and grace. Is that you being a kind person or is that you applying your tools? For me to, I suppose, be so apologetic, is that me being a kind person or me having such an anxious response? I think it's a combination of both. And I think we should accept both as beautiful because it's being human. You know, we want to please people. We want to be professional. We want to um, be kind. It's natural. It's our survival instinct that for, for humans to survive, we need to be kind to ourselves and to others. And we need to, you know, to, to have that kind of attitude. And we live in a world where it's very easy to learn not to be kind. And with our last 40 years where we've gone, become so busy and so fast and so hurry sickness with the advances in technology and things, which are really good, but we haven't managed them very well as a society. And so we've, you know, we've become so busy and so hard. We're not giving ourselves room for margin for error. It's okay to, to make mistakes. This is really the biggest message of this cleaning up your mental mess. You're human, you're alive. You're gonna make a mess and that's okay because every moment you're awake is one big experiment with your think, feel, choose. You cannot control the events and circumstances and events and circumstances happen. We make mistakes with dates, with times, with this, with that. We've all done it. I've done it. And other things. And we need to accept that that is really okay. And also your anxious response. That's okay too. That is how you coped in the moment. And we mustn't beat ourselves up about that. Anxiety is not an illness. It doesn't mean that you're ill because you had tremendous anxiety. It means that you are simply responding it's, it's that anxiety is, the, is is literally a warning signal of an origin story and that origin story is that you have a desire to do things really well and professional maybe there's a bit of perfectionism who knows if you dig back down and we can talk about the, the neurocycle in terms of digging back down but you would find some underlying reason why you that would throw you i look at my one daughter who's my producer dominique who you've been working with i've got four kids three of them work for me and she also can get very wants everything to be perfect and doesn't like making mistakes and i'm i'm all about hey you know what if you make a mistake it's okay you know it's like a lesson learned you know and i really have got i didn't used to be like that i've grown i've developed that skill and i've developed that ability to allow myself room for error and um that does help a lot with anxiety so I guess just to give our listeners some context, your approach to dealing with anxiety is neurocycling. So I suppose it might be fun to apply that to the situation yesterday, which I know is such a common one for people because I shared it on my Instagram that I had messed up and everyone was like, oh my God, that was me too. Oh my God. So I know it's super relevant. So maybe we can talk a little bit about what neurocycling is, why it helps, and then maybe we could apply it to that example from yesterday. Great idea. Love that. Okay, so we've spoken about the mind being this think, feel, choose, and being this gravitational field that is around and in the body. And the brain and the body are the physical and the uh, the mind is the sort of non-physical. But interestingly enough, the brain and body collectively form about 1% of who you are as a human. And your mind, this gravitational field think feel choose processing brilliant thing um, that is you um, is about 99% of who you are so that's super interesting that we don't pay in this day and age we pay more attention to the 1% and very little attention to the 99 which is one of the major contributors to anxiety is we don't deal enough with mind we don't allow and that looks what that looks like is that we don't allow ourselves enough permission to experience the experiences of life the big thing there is that mind is this is this massive part of us so we can't ignore it we have to address it we have to learn to recognize that you wake up with your mind you 
get dressed with your mind. You go to sleep with your mind. You look after your baby with your mind. You listen to this podcast with your mind. Your mind never stops. During the day, your mind is thinking, feeling, and choosing in response to life, and you're building thoughts. So the consequence of mind is that you build a thought. And at nighttime, you sort out the thoughts that you've been building, hence the dreaming. It's a regenerative process. So what is a thought? A thought is a real thing made of proteins and chemicals in your brain. And it's also a gravitational field in your brain. And then you get a representation of that thought also in the DNA of every cell of your body. As you're listening to me now, all yourself and your listeners are basically converting what they are hearing through the mind, think, feel, choose. So it's all electromagnetic sound waves and, and all that physics stuff. And your mind, you think, feel, and choose. It's your processing of it, pushing that through the brain. The brain is responding electrically, electromagnetically, and chemically and genetically. And this is all happening so fast at 400 billion actions per second. And then that activity of pushing it through the brain and the brain responding then results in the thought becoming a real physical protein structured tree-like substance inside your brain, which is neuroplasticity, neuro meaning brain, plastic meaning change. So you have just been directing neuroplasticity right now as you've been listening to me. Your brain has actually changed. It's not the same as it was when we started talking because you've grown a tree in your brain that is now holding this information. And like a tree has got roots and, and, a, and a tree trunk and branches, this tree, which is a thought tree, also has roots and a trunk and branches. And the roots would be the memories of the origin story. And that simply is what I'm saying. So I'm the source. I'm giving you information about neurocycling and the mind brain and mental health and whatever you've called this. And as I'm talking, these words are being transformed into concepts, which are transformed into protein branches in the root part, because that's the source and um, the origin at the stage. Then your, your grow little tree trunk. Yes, this is happening very fast. And the tree trunk is your perspective of what I'm saying. And then you grow little branches and leaves. And that's the behaviors and the emotions and the experience in your physical body. So it's your interpretation of what I'm saying. So it's all of your experience for example you as a podcaster dealing with anxiety having lived anxiety experience that almost crippled you as you mentioned and all of that's kind of popping back and linking into what i'm saying and that would be in the branches area and so you're adding new branches and you're linking what i'm saying to existing experiences and thoughts about anxiety and anything related so we you you use existing stuff to process the incoming stuff and to build the new stuff. And it's all, and then you can make connections between all of it. And this is what you're doing right now at 400 billion actions per second. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. No wonder I'm tired. This, <laughs> exactly. I'm glad you mentioned that because our brain and body physically get very tired. The mind never gets tired. The conscious mind gets tired. The brain and body get tired. But the non-conscious mind, which is the biggest part of our mind, which operates 24-7, it's the really um, the dynamic, very intelligent quantum part of our mind where all of our memories are basically stored and all the action and belief systems and everything about about us are stored in these thoughts and these thoughts have branches which are memories so thought is a concept like today's concept thought is this mind brain stuff and like a tree has branches a thought has memories so what are memories they're not thoughts memories are inside of thoughts thoughts are made of memories thoughts are made of the root memories which is the origin or the source and then the branches are your interpretation and then that collectively the, the whole tree then produces your words and your actions so whatever you're saying whatever you're doing your unique 
angle on life, your unique words that you say come from your unique thoughts. No one's ever thought your thoughts before because they can't because they're yours. And that produces your unique angle on life. And every single one of us has this angle. And that's why envy and jealousy are never needed because every single person is contributing something unique. And if you recognize that, it'll take away a lot of anxiety too, because we don't have to compete because there's no one like you. And when we can get into that mode, it changes and shifts things. That's another whole huge conversation. But um, that's a big, big anxiety reducer is that you don't have to compare because no one can compare to you. And it just kind of changes the whole flow. So essentially, you are thinking, feeling, choosing with this incredible mind, this incredible force moves through your brain and body, and everything is converted into these trees in your brain, and they keep on growing. They just, it's organic. It just keeps happening. Every time you think more about this conversation, or you have another experience about anxiety, this conversation will come up and you grow new branches and so on. And that's an ongoing process. But now sometimes the experience is a bit of a traumatic one. So the one you had yesterday, that would have activated um, the anxiety. So the first thing you experienced was was the emotions of, of anxiety. You said you felt so anxious. And then that anxiety then um, tracked back to probably your body. I don't know how your body felt in that moment, but you may have felt very tense or yep. adrenaline pumping and heart pounding. I actually and- was sweating. I was like, because my baby was in my arms crying and I, and I had to bounce him. And I was like, I'm physically pumping sweat here and I'm going to have to get him asleep right now because he was due a nap and I was like I am so stressed out oh my goodness I'm so glad we can unpack this for you so basically what happened there is that in that instant of that situation so here you got the email is the source so you would have built that that route which then linked to the interview so the route then was you were interviewing me you missed the interview time that then produced a perspective of oh no I failed or um, what you're going to think of me or I've let her down or whatever it was and that then was all the then grew all the branches of oh no I'm not professional I'm not this I'm not that and that then produced the warning signals of the anxiety, the heart palpitations, the sweating, and then that would have impacted your next um, behaviors and so on. So the thing happened. So the whole tree grew. And then that tree had an effect. It had it generated these signals. So these thoughts are powerful. They generate signals. Einstein spoke about this, how our thoughts generate um, protons from from us and an example of that is let's say that you're totally happy and you go sit with a group of friends and all they're doing is complaining and being very depressed and you come away from there feeling so depressed and that's the photons from their negative thoughts literally generating negative photons that are hitting you and then you absorb them because you're in relationship with these people and that's how we impact each other it's very real it's very this is not any woo-woo stuff very tangible yeah, it's very tangible, hardcore science. And we can even, you know, there's even quantum physics showing that um, our general pattern of, of wave energy in the mind is like a, a very fluid wave, this sort of very organized wave. And when we get very anxious or something, we get these very erratic waves. You can see in my book, um, I have managed to get my publisher to publish some colored graphics of inside the brain of when I did the neuroscience section of the clinical trial and we used a QEEG, you'll see that there's a red brain. And that means that the energy is um, that's someone who's got who's in this high state of anxiety and instead of the wave energy waves of the brain being this nice sort of balanced flow between the different delta theta alpha beta gamma and so on it's just this huge like high level almost like a tsunami so we call it a red brain because it shows up as completely red on on the scans whatever you're going through in your mind because your mind is pushing it through your brain we can see the effect in your brain so the red brain is the effect of the anxiety so if we had to scan you yesterday in that moment we would have seen maybe not a complete red brain, but certainly a lot of red spots, especially through the middle and the front of your brain. And um, as you calm down and so on, and and hopefully the email that 
Dominique sent yes. back, helped you feel calmer <laughs> and that kind of thing. So then the red spots would have gone to a gray color. So I'm just saying that's the impact. Also, if we had to measure your glucose in that moment, it would have shot right up. Maybe from averages sort of 86 to 94, probably could have jumped up as high as 160, if not higher. So in that instant, there would have been that a few physiological responses that would have happened. But as soon as you calm down, the whole lot would have reversed. So this is very real. And this is why we, we need to be aware of this. And, and, the, and the hopeful message is that those patterns that we get into that cause this, they're not our destiny. They do have the impact. But as soon as you manage your mind, you can reverse the impact. That's why I put the science in the book in a simple way. I even put a couple of case studies of a person who's highly anxious and really battling and a person who was totally depressed. And just to show people that this will happen when I do this, this will happen when I do that. To give you that feeling of autonomy and control. Yeah, well, it really validates. I suppose an anxious reaction from someone to hear everything that's going on behind the scenes it's not your fault and I think that alone is empowering for someone mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Listening. Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned that because, Caroline, that is one of the main messages that I'm trying to bring through that it. If, if you're human, you're a mental mess and it's okay. It's even okay if you have the extreme things like bipolar and schizophrenia and those are not, and I say those scary words because people think that those are illnesses that they stuck with and they're not. They're simply descriptions of someone who's going through or has been through or is going through extremely adverse circumstances. And in order for the mind to cope, it has to kind of, you know, it's, it's doing what it can do to survive and that is not sustainable. So in the long run, you have to fix that pattern. But in the moment that's a survival mechanism and if we support and help a person to get through the initial very traumatic stage then you teach them how to manage their mind with loving support they can they can achieve mind management so and and i'm not here to say oh my gosh you're going to never be depressed again or anxious again absolutely not what i'm saying here is embrace anxiety 
depression, etc., as helpful messengers. Embrace them. Don't see them as scary anything and don't have any guilt or condemnation. You're human. You're a mental mess. It's okay. You'll cycle in and out of mental messes your whole life and it's totally okay. The anxiety is telling you, hey, pay attention. It's a smoke signal. It's, a, it's the alarm waking you up in the morning and it's telling you that it's, it's a symptom of an underlying cause and it's normal. It's like we're in COVID now, as we know, in the pandemic and isolation and they're going on about a huge mental health pandemic or well, prior to the pandemic we already had a major issue people were dying eight to 25 years younger than they should the pandemic's added another year onto that people dying younger is a decades-long trend that has been reversed because for years people have been living longer because of advances in medicine and technology but by the mid-2000s that had changed and it started changing in the mid-90s and why because people are not managing their mind and therefore not managing their lifestyles so people are dying from preventable lifestyle diseases and when we say not managing their mind not being allowed to express their emotions like do you feel anxious you go to the doctor you get a label which immediately changed the way that your brain and body function and for a moment you may feel temporary relief but it's not sustainable and there's so much stigma attached to that label that your whole experience of why you're anxious has been completely ignored. I have said a few times on this series it's probably been controversial but I think it's not helpful to be told oh you have an anxiety disorder and that's how you are now for the rest of your life. For me I've never described myself as like, oh, I'm an anxious person, that's who I am. I have always tried to understand it as, and I try to say this for other people is, we all have a stress response, we're all human, and sometimes we've got more stress in our lives than other times. I don't ever refer to it as a condition. For me, understanding and reframing it as a warning signal has been the only way that I've been able to get on top of it and not feel like it's controlling me, but that I can actually pay attention to it and work with it rather than work against it. Absolutely. You've said that beautifully and exactly what the science shows. And it's exactly what I put into my book, slightly different words, but exactly that. It's what I showed in my research. The Eastern philosophy is to look at any kind of anxiety or depression or anything like that as helpful messengers. The Western philosophy is to look at any of those anxiety, whatever, as illnesses. That has been our downfall. It has. I've watched this in the trajectory of my 38-year career, where we went from seeing anxiety as a response to seeing anxiety as an illness. And that's been one of the reasons why people are dying younger, because if you aren't allowed to process that experience, that thought, you know, I've just described the whole way thoughts form, how you experience life and it transforms and becomes these protein trees in your brain. Well, when you have an adverse experience or a series of them, they still become trees in your brain, but those proteins don't fold correctly. And the the little vibrations that are actually the quantum vibrations holding the data, the feelings and the, and the information of the adverse circumstance in the roots and the branches and so on is also distorted, which means the whole neurochemical balance is distorted, which means the whole blood chemistry, everything becomes distorted. And in fact, your brain's immune system and your body's immune system will recognize that toxic thought in the same way as it would recognize a, a virus like COVID. So you have COVID in your body and your brain immune system and body's immune system send out immune factors. Same thing with your with the toxic issue that's undealt with. You're going to have an increase in T lymphocytes, B lymphocytes, macrophages, everything going to the source of damage, which is that toxic protein, those twisted branches. So would I be right in saying that your perception of stress and anxiety is more important than the anxious response in the first place? Absolutely. The way you view it is critical. 
let's take yesterday's example. You understand more about anxiety now, so you've learned and you got it under control quickly. But if you didn't, maybe in the past, something like this before you had learned what you've learned now, something like this might have crippled you for days. So you would have seen, and, and you may have even thought, okay, this is just part of my disease. I'm diseased. I can't handle anything. It creates a sense of hopelessness. Whereas if you actually say, okay, it's okay to feel this heart fluttering. It's okay to sweat. It's okay to, to feel embarrassed or guilt because this is who I am. I want to be a professional. So what can I do about this? Versus, oh no, this is terrible. Look what I've done. This is so bad. The stress response enables you to become high functioning. It gets your brain and your body, your neurophysiology into a very high level state so that you can actually, your brain and body can be used in a more efficient manner. So it actually activates the brain and the body to become a more efficient vessel for your mind. But if you say, oh my gosh, this is terrible. I can't do this. This is the end. Oh, I'm such a terrible person. And you start bashing your self-esteem, which generally comes along with anxiety, as, you, as you'll know. The stress response becomes distorted. And now you'll have 1,400 neurophysiological responses working against you instead of for you. Yesterday, you're in that situation. And because of your experience and your training now that you put yourself through, you've trained your mind, you recognize the symptoms immediately and you manage them. You did the neurocycle without even knowing it, and I'll, I'll prove it to you in a moment. That meant that your 1,400 neurophysiological responses worked for you and not against you. The blood vessels around your heart dilated, and that increased blood flow and oxygen to the front of your brain, which increased your ability to be cognitively flexible. And that enabled you to calm down enough to read the email, respond, and then process it through social media and, you know, talking about the experience, getting it out, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe in the past, I don't know, I don't know you, but from what you've told me and what I've read, that may have not actually happened. You may have been crippled for days. And, oh, and absolutely. It have, and it may have cycled into your relationship, into everything else you did that day and, and chewed you up for days. And then you just, oh, well, I'm just diseased and there's no hope. And, and then you just cumulatively over time, you become, become paralyzed. So in that instance, not even, it's, it, Caroline's not even long. You get the email. And in that moment, you feel like you've been stabbed in the stomach with some, you get that whoosh of adrenaline, that, oh, how could I have done this? In that moment, you made a choice. And that choice was, okay, I am totally stressed. I am anxious. I am, my heart's beating. I'm sweating. I am embarrassed. I'm blah, blah, blah. But because you said I am like that, you embraced it, you brought it out in the open, you shifted the control, you, you shifted those physiological responses. You actually put yourself in charge of the situation. You allowed yourself to experience the physical and the emotional symptoms and the, also the behavioral, because there's four things you, you experience, emotional, physical, behavioral, and perspective. There would have been four signals that you would have received in, in a very quick instant. You allowed yourself to express those because otherwise you wouldn't have been able to even process the email. So just for people listening, you don't want to get to a point where you don't feel anything. It's okay to go through all those motions and feel all those things. You have to. It's then how you respond to them. People are constantly trying to not feel anxiety at all. My whole message is like to try and feel it, allow for it, understand where it's coming from, own it. And also for me, a recent understanding of mine is to really lean into my vulnerability, which is why I'm able to feel those feelings and then downregulate it quite quickly afterwards. Absolutely. And that's what the neurocycle teaches you to do. So what I've done is I've taken something that we do on a non-conscious level, which is the most intelligent part of your mind. And I have made that a conscious process. But there's something else that we can add to the mix over here, because you said it beautifully. 
You gave yourself permission to feel the feelings. Yes, you must feel the anxiety. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. There's no embarrassment. There's just pure humanity in feeling anxiety. Now you do something else. You say, okay, so this is okay to feel this. You give yourself permission. And now you split into two. Caroline the mess, Caroline the wise. And imagine that you're flying a time capsule kind of helicopter thing and you're flying over your forest of your mind and your brain with all these and every tree represents all these thoughts from when you were in the womb at a certain point and every experience you've ever had and will have and there's small trees and big trees and green ones. And so you are in the driver's seat. And as this happens, you kind of stand back above the situation in your helicopter and you are the, the co-pilots, the wise mind. There's no structures in the brain and the body for being stuck in anxiety. There are structures in the brain and the body for accepting anxiety for the message it brings. Do you get what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. The latter is the healthy. It is okay. I accept this and I'm going to fix this. That Your brain likes that. So your it's, brain, a, it's your more design. adaptable than maladaptive which I guess is what we've been taught this whole time we've been taught that we have a, a, a negativity bias it's not even science that is not good science at all there have been scientific studies that claim that but if you actually analyze the studies and you look at the other side of the coin we have an optimism bias just a simple example if you have a virus in your brain and your body your brain and your body are at threat for survival so therefore your body's going to fight that so logically anything that threatens your survival your body's going to fight against that so therefore, we from that thinking, we have discovered that the brain and body are, are all wired for survival. And that's why we need, we have an immune system to fight anything, whether it's a toxic thought, a virus, a surgery, a bite from an insect. The reason we get drawn to negative news, for example, it's not a negativity bias. It is a positivity bias. It's a survival bias. Any negativity around us all create a sense of imbalance and threaten your survival and are toxic in the brain, threatening the survival. So what are you going to do? You're drawn to it to fix it. You're not drawn to it because you're drawn to the negative. You're drawn to the negative because of the imbalance and the threat to your survival. When you look at it like that, then you say, okay, I can grab that anxiety and let me find out what it's doing and let me remove the threat to my survival and let me learn how to manage it. And that shifts you over into this incredible mode where you can go into your little pilot seat and you, the mental mess, the pilot, the pilot is the Caroline, the mental mess pilot, who is experimenting because we don't can't control events and circumstances and we're trying to learn how to control our responses. The co-pilot's the wise Caroline, that instinct that you have, that wired for love, gut feel, knowing what to do, the right thing to do, that if we dig deep enough and introspect enough, we'll find it. Those aha moments, those pieces of wisdom we give people, that, that's what I'm talking about. We've all got that. It's at our core. And when you approach yesterday's situation in this co-pilot pilot situation, the co-pilot is saying, okay, let's embrace the sweating and this franticness. And how do you feel? What are the emotional warning signals? Here are the five steps. I'm diving now into the neurocycle. Step number one, gather awareness of the emotional warning signals, the physical warning signals, emotional anxiety, physical sweating, the behavioral, maybe you were shaking up and down and you were basically looking around thinking, I've got to do something about this, I've got to fix this. So you were getting like worked up maybe um, perspective, oh gosh, I've messed up. So the co-pilot saying, that's okay, you felt those, that's cool, no problem. Let's now find out why you felt that. And you start the second step, reflection. Reflection is a beautiful word, it's all encompassing. As beautiful as the gather awareness is, gather is I choose to control. I'm not getting hit in the head. I'm not getting sitting under the apple tree with all the apples falling on my head. I'm actually standing back and picking the apples. Then you go into why, ask, answer, discuss, reflect. Reflect is a huge word. And it can sometimes just be one or two questions. 
what I want to be professional and I've let this person down. What is she going to think of me? Those were things you said. And then you can, if you've got time, you could quickly write those down. And I have a system called the Metacog, which is profound in terms of helping you sort out your mind. If you've got time, write that down. If you're in the moment, just visualize because when you visualize, your brain is writing. But writing is the third step. And I explain this in depth in my book with lots of examples. Just to recap, sorry, we, we've done gather, reflect, and then what the number three is? Third is write, to write down. And, and the writing step is pour your brain on paper. No order, no fancy nothing, preferably using a metacog, which is, I explained it in the book. It's a system I developed over 38 years now and refined. It's a way of organizing information that looks a little like a concept map, but it's more detailed. And it's more flexible. And it's more like what a tree looks like. Um, it develops your introspection and will help you get to the point fast. And it will help you find stuff and get you deep quick. Um, I use it with my patients in therapy in extreme situations with people that had split personalities from extreme trauma to people that were batting to learn to people that were just wanting to manage anxiety on a day-to-day -day basis so it's on all levels then the fourth step is to recheck what you've written do a mental autopsy what are the patterns what is going on here and then the fifth step is an act of reach so in terms of just very it's an action I, i'm going to explain that in a moment with your action you gathered awareness the sweetness you asked those questions you already said them in the reflect step you probably didn't think about writing that moment well i went on social media i suppose so i did write it but you did that after the whole you you responded by email and set up another time so you actually did do some writing then you checked oh my goodness what have i done and how could i do this and then your active reach was social media where you were enabling yourself to process through the situation and and give yourself you know kind of like accept yourself that oh, i've done this it's okay it's human and then you got all those great responses of people saying oh wow i've done the same thing so that was a little action that anchored you back in a place of mental peace and that helped you manage that situation now that can be done in five seconds that can be done in five minutes the big stuff like if you find that okay this let's say that you're constantly battling to form a, a long-term relationship let's say and that you are just have got no self-esteem and you see that that's affecting relationships and you see that's a pattern okay so there's a pattern now and it's consistent you now need to go and do a 63 day maybe even multiple 63 day cycles where you would do the five steps every day for 15 to 45 minutes and you would then each day you go through the five steps for 21 days the first 21 days you do all five steps that helps you to embrace process and reconceptualize why you have that pattern so right from the sick gathering awareness the reflect all the way through and then by day 21 more or less within three weeks you would have basically deconstructed and reconstructed broken down that ugly toxic thought and rebuilt it into a healthy thought still with your story but your story is now reconceptualized it's seen as part of your learning experience and how you want to move forward then for the next 42 days and this is really critical you just do step five in order for a pattern a toxic pattern or a, that's come from a toxic habit or a trauma um, to change in other words for your behavior to change for you to stop doing that to stop wrecking your relationships or stop um, whatever it is that you're doing that's repetitive in your or like living in such a high state of anxiety you want to die or living in the state where you just have no confidence in yourself and whatever whatever it is um, in order for that to change you can't just stop at 21 days in 21 days you'll find out why 
and you may not even find all of it, but you would have found out the basics. The next 42 days of just practicing the fifth step is critical in creating sustainability in that new thought you've built. A sustainable thought is like a plant that you've watered and now it's strong. It's strong enough, it has enough energy in order to impact behavior change. So behaviors don't change in 21 days, which is the myth that's been promulgated. Behavior change occurs over at least 63 days. There's very little research on that, but because the myth of 21 days has been so strong that people think 21 days is enough to change behavior. It isn't. You can do 21 days and still be stuck. You have to do the extra 42. I wrote about this in my own my most recent book about how the, the 21 days thing sounds long enough to be convincing, but short enough that you'll actually bother to do it. It's actually great. Yeah, no, it's so true because it's, it just is not long enough. And all the science behind that I've put in, I'm so glad you wrote that because the science of that I've put into the book. And so in the book, I've got, Caroline, I've got very clear examples of how to use the five steps as a neurocycle life hack. Let's say that you, you're just about to do a podcast and you're baby's frantic and you are feeling like totally worked up and you've got to now get yourself together to do an interview, you can do the five steps then to get yourself calm again. Or someone says something to you, or you read something on social media and you feel imposter syndrome or all of those things that hit us on the mo in the moment. I show you how to do those. I call them neurocycle life hacks. And then I also show you how to deal with the big stuff, like the acute uh, the acute traumas, um, the toxic traumas, the big T traumas, and the um, small T traumas, and the toxic habits that we've developed. And then the other element I talk about is using the five steps to build your brain, which is so critical. So the five because steps come together to create neurocycling. That's it. So the neurocycle is the five steps. And every step has years of research, neuroscientific research saying this happens in your brain. Amazing. Okay. And I'm just conscious of time now. There, I mean, I, I could talk to you for days on end. We could have a whole series dedicated to neurocycling, uh, which you probably should do as well at a later stage. But just for someone listening today who maybe is feeling particularly anxious or overwhelmed, maybe they got an email from a boss that gave them an anxious response or maybe they're feeling really overwhelmed in the pandemic what for you if we can pluck some gem out of the book or out of your experience what for you would be the most helpful thing you could say to someone who's in a very acutely anxious state right now there's nothing wrong with you. It's a completely normal response. Take control, like I explained, when you shift the power balance by saying, okay, this is okay, I embrace it, I feel this, and you start then going through the five steps. So give yourself permission would be the key thing there to then enable you to shift the physiology and your mind state that you can actually then get the wisdom to manage the next step. And then get the book so that you can actually you do it. And, and there's an app that goes with it too, the NeuroCycle app. So you can, the two work beautifully together. So neurocycling just might be the most helpful way for people to manage their anxiety going forward. Well, 81% improvement, that's what the research shows. So yes, definitely. <laughs> and we all get anxious, so we all need it. Yes. So. And, and like my biggest takeaway from this conversation is that it's not about getting to a point where you don't feel anxious. It's very okay to feel it. It's about like reinterpreting it as a messenger. What is it trying to make you acknowledge? What is it trying to highlight to you that's important or that you need to pay attention to as opposed to there's something wrong with you? Exactly. Your Instagram has been super helpful to me already in terms of little hot takes about like how we can change our perception. But obviously the book is where all of the goodness is. And I recommend people to go and digest it all. And 
I can't thank you enough for your time today and for rescheduling with me after my big mess up yesterday. But look, no it gave problem. us a whole conversation worth having. I know. <laughs> Beautiful. Look how it worked out. It was amazing. I mean, it's everyone's, I'm sure, benefited from that, including me. So yeah. There you go. Well, come here. I'm just so grateful to you. And um, I want to just send you the best of wishes and congratulations on your new book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. And it's available now widely in all good bookstores. Obviously, everything's online for the time being. And if people want to know more, do you have a website? Yes, drleaf.com. And then my social media handles are Dr. Caroline Leaf. Obviously, I'm on all the platforms. And Instagram's a great place to go and follow me and get everything from there. And then the book, as you said, cleaningupyourmentalmess.com is the website. And you can get it wherever books are sold. And I have a podcast called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess too. Well, maybe I'll join you on that and you can clean up my mental mess yes. some more. Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds you, fantastic. Thank you so so much um i really appreciate it and have an amazing day you too thank you even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.